Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, come to you just uh, first of all with thanks for all you do for us and thank you for this place and this opportunity. Just um, thank you for uh, intervening on our, in our lives on a daily basis. First of all, for me, I'd just like to ask that you uh, forgive me of my sins so that my prayers can be lifted up. Give us uh, just open minds and clean hearts. We just ask that you uh, continue to watch over our, our uh, trip, our uh, team that's on the trip front to India. Just uh, help continue to give them uh, strength and uh, protection as they come back and just hope, hopefully that they'll be blessing other people throughout the entire length of the trip. We just ask for these uh, requests that people are struggling, that we just uh, watch over them and any... Um, unspoken needs. We just ask that you continue to uh, bless our lives. Just continue to watch over our leaders, both in this church and in our community and in our nation as all these troubled times are coming along. We just ask that you continue to give them wisdom. And uh, as far as us as health in this church and community, just uh, ask that you continue to lift us up and just uh, continue to make us uh, light in this neighborhood as well as our city. We just uh, thank you for all you do. Just um, thank you for allowing me to come and uh, give this message. And uh, just thank you for Jesus and all he means to us. In your name we pray, amen. All right. So the subject I was given by John Hugh is the ascension. And it's an interesting... um, sort of subject because, you know, I, I was out of town in Boston last week, so I missed Jeremy's talk, so I listened to it on the, on the podcast, and one of the things that struck me was kind of uh, interesting. His talk was on the resurrection, in, in case you're not here, which, you know, he's like, this is the most important event of all time, and then think, man, gosh, now I've got to go talk, and I don't have an important event to talk about. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, is I I think of it kind of different than that. Uh, No offense to you, brother, but, um, yeah, and and as I'm talking, maybe it'll make more sense, but, you know, the ascension is really kind of the turning point, the the meat of where we are today. Um, And... The, you know, does anybody know when, when Ascension Day is or when the holiday is for Ascension? Anybody know? Like everybody knows the day of the resurrection, right? And the crucifix, crucifixion, the birth, crucifixion, the resurrection, four parts of, of Jesus that highlights the important parts of, of Jesus. Anybody know when Ascension Day is? No, you don't, don't know that one, right? So we'll... It's it's kind of uh, kind of uh, funny that that um, you don't really get that. So, um, and I, I'm going to try to say, try to show that that's really an important day. It's important to the others, or maybe even more so to people like me, at least. Um, <clears throat> well, it happened 40 days after the resurrection. Okay, so <clears throat> Jesus has a resurrection. He appears. Like in Jeremy's talk to 500 people after he's uh, resurrected. And then on the 
around the 40th day, he goes out to uh, Bethany, which is, if you, if you go to Jerusalem, it's a little bit south and a little bit uh, east, I guess. So you go, basically the directions are, there's Jerusalem, then there's the Mount of, if you're standing looking south uh, on the Jerusalem wall, there's the Mount of Olives is over this way, and then you, Bethany is on the other side of the Mount of Olives. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start out just reading about uh, this event. Now, it's interesting, Luke has uh, been the one that's been credited with writing Luke and with writing Acts. Okay, so if you look at Luke and Acts, it's a two-part, uh, two-part book, basically. And it takes up more space than, than any of the other Gospels in the as the two combined of anybody, any other writer. And I like Luke, and you've heard me talk about this before. He's a physician. He's a Gentile, so he's not, a, he's not Jewish. And he, he is not one of the disciples. But he came and basically was friends with Paul. And basically, he's going along. He's a very detail-oriented guy and took very detailed notes and then wrote his gospel, both Luke and Acts, after um, after all this happened, and taking you know various things from various uh, witnesses, so y'all have to forgive me. I brought my Bible with the little tiny words in it. So I'm going to start out at the end of Luke chapter 24, verse 33, and it's the ascension. Now, what you'll notice is the book of Luke ends with the ascension, and the book of Acts starts with it. Okay, so then he led them out as far as Bethany. Lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Now, that, that's fairly straightforward, and it leaves out a lot of detail. So when he starts Acts chapter 1, so we'll flip over there. So we're going to read... Uh, verses 1 through 11, okay? So, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them each 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So this is where we're talking about during that time period that after the resurrection, during this 40 days, okay? And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this, this starts getting in the part where we're talking about why the ascension is so important. Okay, And if you'll keep that in mind, we'll talk about it more in detail here in a few minutes. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They, they keep thinking of God as this, I mean, as Jesus as this warrior soul that 
you know, a lot of the reason why a lot of the people, uh, Jewish people, don't believe in Jesus is they wanted a Messiah to come, sort of like what we have in mind as revelations. Okay, so that that's the Messiah they were looking for. <clears throat> All right, so he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So that gets, <clears throat> that gets to the point where when people talk about, you know, be patient, Lord, all the issues of, like, you know, he doesn't answer prayer immediately, you have to be patient. That's, that's part of that. And what you'll find is that through, throughout the New Testament, and this is one of those subjects where when you start looking into it and you start referring to other verses, pretty soon you're in the Old Testament, you're in the New Testament, and this talk ends up being about three hours. So I'm going to cut that down a little bit if y'all don't mind. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. A cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And so most people say these are angels who came down. And said... Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So that, that's basically the beginning of prophecy in Revelations. Okay? So you see Jesus, and the people describe that cloud as a kind of cloud that's kind of heavy, beautiful, very much like the transformation, very bright, and they consider that to be the glory of God, okay? So at this moment, Jesus, during the, it's the only second time that people witness Jesus as a, as a transfigured type person. So as he's lifting up in this cloud, he becomes at the, just like at the time of transformation, uh, transformation. So this is the time that they see Jesus in all his glory being lifted up. Now, um, at this point during the ascension, Jesus is human, okay? So, importance of that is, is he is taken as a human, you know, had he not been resurrected and they saw him as a ghost, you know, they, they, people like Thomas poking on him and saying, well, here's my, here's my nail scars, at that point, he's fully somebody that you can touch and, and feel and all those things. And when he gets lifted up at this point, he goes up to the right hand of God, fully human. And then now. So, so that's, an, that's an important point that I don't want anybody to miss. Okay? So, um, the... One of the things that we have... Oh, sorry, I grabbed my... The ascension to the early church was like one of the most important aspects. And so if you look, we've, we had this book that we went through. It's called we, This We Believe. 
And, and John Hugh went through this. It's Apostles' Creed, a little book on that that we gave out to everybody here. We went through this book in its entirety, line by line, okay? And so one of the things that I'm just going to read this to kind of remind everybody right quick about the Apostles' Creed. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ. He is our only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. So that's, that's step one, which is, the, which is Jesus' birth. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. So that's uh, step two, which is crucifixion, right? The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the, uh, God, the Father Almighty. So now that's step three and step four, the res- resurrection and now the ascension. So our early Christian, you know, this, this Apostles' Creed has been around in, in basically the same format for almost 2,000 years. So important to them then, important to us now. Okay? It says, from there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. And that's, that's also scripture that, that I have. And, um, if anybody wants, wants to read it, it's come from. I'm going to skip over that night for the interest of time. It says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, which is not the, the Catholic Church like the one that's here. It's the whole church of Christian church. The communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Okay? So, so important to them then and us to now. So they, they give, even from the beginning of the early church, they gave the ascension equal weight to the other parts. Okay? So, why is the ascension important? So we'll kind of go through some, some point by point. Okay, first point is that, you know, Jesus' ministry on earth was a short time period. So it had a beginning, which clearly he just popped out of the middle of nowhere when he was in his early 30s. Boom, he had three years of ministry, and then it had to end, okay? So the ascension to the apostles and everybody around, that's, that's the day that Jesus' ministry on earth ends. And the reason why his ministry on earth ended is because he had accomplished everything that he came here to accomplish. Okay? The, the next thing is, it, it was considered to be successful ministry. Now, not like the Jewish idea of the, of the Messiah, but something that can make this book last at this date since the beginning of, the, the, of, of Jesus, 2,000 years, basically unchanged, and we're still sitting here today. So I, I think most read book in history, most interpreted and, um, and translated book in history, so I, I would say that's probably a successful ministry. Um, the part of this, like you're looking at the Apostles' Creed, is he wanted to, wanted to, it's not a great word, but he, his needs of, of Jesus and us as he returned back to the glory of God, witnessed by his going up on the, on the cloud. 
Okay. Um, most one of the most important thing is because of that, he is exalted by God. Okay. So, in the in Jewish and all of history, the person that sat at the right hand of God was that person that was most exalted. Okay. So. Um, the now we start getting into the to the meat of the issue is why did Jesus go up in in human form to be exalted by God in the right hand of God? Okay, the reason he did that and the reason lots of scripture talks about is so he could prepare a place for us. Okay. So now he died on the cross at the crucifixion as a sacrifice for our sins. But now we start getting it down to the issue of like, okay, so now we're sin free based on washing the blood of Jesus. Now, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people around the world, but certainly I think most people in this room, why are we here and what's going to happen to us once we die? Okay. And I always, you know, for me, I I spent the first 40-something years of my life in church just mainly so that I wouldn't go to hell. And that's kind of how it looked at it. Somehow, this whole idea of Jesus just somehow, all those years just went by me, the importance of Jesus. And so, I've been real fortunate over like the last eight years spent a lot of time trying to figure that out. So if somebody is preparing a place for us in heaven, Jesus is the one we need preparing our place. Okay. Now, the, one of the other issues about the ascension is <clears throat> it clearly showed that Jesus went up and away somewhere. The the Muslims in the Quran have an ascension as well, and that's one of their main holidays. And basically what happened is Muhammad fell asleep. He may have dreamed this. He may have actually done it. He got on a beast with the head of an angel and wings, flew from Mecca to Jerusalem to, to their holy temple, and then flew back, and he went through heaven on his way. <clears throat> it's not clear if you read that, Maybe he, maybe he dreamed it. Maybe he physically did it. Um, but then he came back. And then, you know, you begin to wonder, like, okay, where is Muhammad buried? You know, it's not, it's not, their belief is that he is dead. And the only person you can worship is God. So they don't have this intercessory person, Jesus. So the ascension is important that we now have our intercessory person there. Okay. The importance of him going up is like if I want to talk to Jesus or I want to feel Jesus or I want to ask him stuff, the fact that we know he went someplace, which we call that heaven, I don't have to drive to Memphis to go find Jesus because I know that he went up and away. So it's important from that aspect that 
I, I now don't have to say, okay, where's Jesus? I, I need to drive to this big stadium in Baltimore or San Diego or wherever, like you would for Billy Graham, to go see him. You know, it's important. Now, I'm not going to get into heaven and all that stuff, like what people think of heaven or where it is, but the thing I can tell you is when Jesus went up on this glory cloud, he did not go to a galaxy far, far away where you have to get the Hubble telescope to try to see if you could see Jesus, okay? Some astronaut one time went up into, into space, looked out the window of his of his space capsule and said, well, I don't see Jesus or God, so this they must not be in heaven. So that, that's how, not how we're going to think about it. Heaven is all around us. And our important thing about Jesus ascending is that now he's all around us and he, we don't physically go looking for him. We know he's able to be it, not in all places at all times, but accessible to us from all places at all times. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so one of the things that to me makes, makes the importance, which is a thing I talked about earlier, is what important event happened after Jesus' ascension and could not happen until he ascended which was some other form of God, you know, God in three persons, which we talked about about two or three weeks ago. Some other form of God now comes to us, which is the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so the Holy Spirit, and he, he clearly talked about that in, in, in the end of Luke, was one of the final little details that kind of brush over fairly easily, that now the Holy Spirit can come to us. And so when we talk about that, and we've talked about that in here, to me, and everybody's different, but to me the Holy Spirit is, is a real situation, a real person, a real feeling um, and that intercedes on my behalf. Okay, so I, I give a couple of examples. One is when I had a patient that was not doing well, I couldn't sleep. And so I couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. Everything was normal, but clearly there was something not right. And so I just put my face down on my pillow. I, pl- I prayed, and then I went, passed out asleep at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Went up to the hospital about 6.30 or 7. I knew at that moment what was wrong with her. Okay? Went in, took care of her, took five minutes. An hour later, she's perfectly fine. Okay. Uh, one time I was looking to go on a mission trip to Africa. And I'd scheduled this trip with another church, and it just ne- it never felt right. The time that I was set to go there, it, it just was all wrong from the beginning. Nothing just, I, that deep feeling inside my chest is for me what the Holy Spirit is. And so I backed out of that trip, and I decided that day that if there was a trip, uh, that I could go to Africa between July the 15th and July the 31st. Those are the days. So I started searching around for a mission trip to Africa during that time period. Well, 
a guy walks into our church and says, I've I got this need. We're putting together a mission trip to Africa. We need a doctor. And I need him to go to Africa from July the 16th through July the 30th. And I was sitting there thinking, man, that is very strange. Because those are the exact days that I pick one side short of those. And so I was in solo practice then. And I needed some coverage to, so I could, so I could go, to, to go to Africa. And so you pray about that and say, okay, somehow intercession will be made on my behalf. Ask a few people, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So the time it came to take that leap of faith, that step out, and I paid for the whole thing for me and one of my sons to go there. Put it on, paid it all out, knowing full well I may have to back out. Within 30 minutes, another doctor had called me and said, you know, I've been praying about this. I'm going to cover for you while you're gone to Africa for those two weeks. That is the Holy Spirit in our bodies, feelings, and interceding on our behalf. Without the ascension, the Holy Spirit coming down, um, that's going to, that kind of stuff is going to be a little difficult. And so, importance to me of everything on this, I, I'm kind of like the early Christians in the Apostle Creed. I, I give sort of equal weight, and this one actually means a lot to me. So, no offense, brother. So, anyway, so without that, the, you know, the, he couldn't intercede on our behalf, okay? So, let me see if I'm forgetting anything. The, uh, okay, so people think of Jesus in several ways. Okay, they think of him as a prophet, and so there are several places along the New Testament where he has come in, and he keeps telling these these apostles that are with him, say, On, "I'm I'm going to die. I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to be lifted up to heaven." And so there are several places I give you the reference of those, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through each verse, but. He, he's like a prophet, and all along he, he's telling them these things are going to happen exactly as they happen. And so he also comes to us as a high priest, which now he's sitting at the right hand of God, and he's interceding on our behalf, and he's preparing a place for us in heaven. That all occurs after the ascension or as part of the ascension. Okay? The other thing is, is that Jesus is also a warrior on our on our behalf. So in Zechariah, there's a verse that talks about its prophetic verses about Jesus being a warrior on our behalf in the in the future, sitting at the right hand of God. So how did he get there through the ascension? Okay. Um, so um, we come to the point where. We now have to talk about the return of Jesus, okay? And so the return of Jesus is he went up on a cloud, and how is he going to return to us? Exact same manner. And so that's, that's the, the verses of Revelation and all, all that's going to happen. That's part of the warrior, um, the warrior uh, aspect of Jesus. And so that, that is the...
discussion about um, about when Jesus returned the reverse of what he did at the time of the ascension. So Revelation 1 verse 7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. So I'm not going to get into the details about how that's going to happen and how, who's, who's going to be wailing and why, but um, you know, John Hugh talked about that a couple of weeks ago, and gets you know when you start looking into that and start looking into prophetic verses, it just gets more and more and more complicated as to as to who who's where and um, what we're going to end up doing. So I'm I'm just going to step one step back and talk about the Holy Spirit because I I think. Once again, that's, that's like for me is like really important. And so if we'll turn to John 16, verse 5 through 15. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now this is, this is prophecy looking towards the day of ascension. But if you notice, they're talking about being sorrow. But what did they do when, we, when we're looking at Acts chapter 1? They're all just standing there looking like a bu- bunch of dummies up in the sky. You know, he, they've been given specific instructions. Go back to Jerusalem and wait. Wait on what? The Holy Spirit come down so that then they could fulfill their mission. The mission statements for churches is in this Acts 1 through 11, the discussion right before the ascension. Okay? Go out and, and into the world and be basically evangelist on my account. That, that's all discussed in, in Acts cha- chapter 1 in these first 11 verses. And so he's saying here, sorrow has filled your heart. He's like, oh, you're going to leave and go away and die and then go away forever. We're sad. But then when it actually happens, they're like looking up in the sky like a bunch of dummies. So what happens? Two men in white robes, which are described as angels, come and tell them, hey, Jesus is gone, but you've been given your instructions. Like we already talked about when we read that first chapter in that Acts. Nevertheless, I will tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will Convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. So that's now the work of the Holy Spirit. It cannot happen without the ascension. Him going there so the Holy Spirit can come. Okay, does that make sense? All right, 
Um, so I think um, I want to touch on one more. Go back to Acts 1. I want to touch one more thing right there. Um, when it when it talks about the 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 purpose of why we're here and the purpose of the church, okay. As a church, we we are not in these instructions are not instructed to go to this building on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning and go there and then go eat lunch, go have the football game, whatever, okay? We are instructed to go out and, and bring people to Christ, okay? And that how, however that looks to you, to most people it looks like being more like Jesus, okay? And, and making the sacrifices. And I talked... Um, not too long ago, about this in a little more detail. So, um, the, in, the instructions for what we are, are given as a church are doing that. So, one of the things that that that's given in this first verse of the eleventh act is discussion about our power that we are empowered to go do that. We've been given the Holy Spirit as a helper, and our our job is not to is to be basically witness to other people and and talk to them, but not commit them to like you're going to hell if you don't believe in Jesus. Whose job is that? And most of us would say that's the Holy Spirit's job. And so, like I I got in a uh, I was in the hippie church movement for quite a while, where we were meeting in houses, meeting in bars. And uh, the in that that situation, one of the one of the groups, and this is right down Kellum's alley, is you want to bring every dirty person to come close to this dirty person named David Carroll. We bring them in to try to get them to go to church. And if somebody can't make church at six o'clock at night at Hallam Mal's Bar downtown, you. You just have trouble because they, they can go do whatever they want to on Saturday night, get up late, come to church at 6 p.m. in the nighttime at a bar. If you can't make anybody more comfortable than that, I don't know what you can. So a lot of the people we we brought in or tried to get to come to church with us um, were people that would be frowned upon going to other churches. I'll try not to be since he's recording this, not try to be too specific, but... One one of the groups that we had was we we tried to uh, get the homosexual people to come in our church, and we were very successful at that. And the Claire, uh, Claire the um, Jackson Free Press came in and did a, an article on the on the church, and our pastor said, "Yes, we welcome homosexuals." But when asked. Do you think homosexuality is a sin? He said yes. So we got beat up by the people from churches, especially ones all around in the community, that we were going out trying to get homosexuals to come to our church. And then we got beat up by homosexuals because we said homosexuality is a sin. 
Okay, so we were getting bombarded from all directions. Um, when I got called and asked, "How can you go out and try to get those people to come to church?" I just said, "Well, there was a famous guy in this book that went down and had." dinner with prostitutes and tax collectors and all those things, and I don't feel like I'm any better than him. My pastor did not take that response very well, but basically that, that's what I'm talking about as a church. The church in these verses, what's more important is relationship to Jesus, relationship to God, relationship to others, and not this particular facility that make sense? So that all that is, you can flush that out in the first 11 verses of Acts. So um, I think I'll stop at this point and uh, entertain any questions that you might have. The, uh, so for me, sort of gets to be wine. I, I won't say things like, you know, there are some other guys that got resurrected during the time of Jesus, though actually by Jesus, but Lazarus didn't become a rock star and doesn't have a book that goes on for 2,000 years and the, the centurion's daughter, all those things. So I, I want to make a case that the ascension, even though it doesn't have its own holiday, is maybe, maybe to some people is more important than the other stuff. Any questions?